the Cranmer Show. My next guest formed his band because of a burning high school. He performed at Gene Simmons' house, had the country and, frankly, the world's song of the summer, signed with Warner Music, and is now a solo artist. It's a pleasure to welcome to the Quinmar Show, solo artist and frontman for 11 Past One, Daniel Richter. <laughs> Daniel, what's going on? Oh my goodness. What an intro. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. Um, start off. You have a new song coming out. Um, by the time this is out, it will have just been released a few days ago. Let's talk about it. So it's called Survive. Now, how yes. many how many songs do you now have as a solo artist? Oh man, I'd have to I'd have to count. Wow, that many, eh? I think I might have about eight. Okay. Or nine. Okay. Or nine, I think. Jeez, well, I have right. an EP that they all kind of I kind of all um, released them as as singles, but then I kind of accumulated them all into an EP, and I think there's actually six on there, and then plus a couple more that I've released. So. Okay, cool. That's sweet. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about the song "Survive." Um, mm -hmm. what's, it, what's it about? Well, it's kind of got a double meaning. Um, first meaning I'll touch on is um, it's kind of it's about my relationship that I started with my now wife. Um, basically, you know the this, the lyrics start off with "Take me just take me just the way I am, nothing but a broken man." Um, just even that right off the bat like i'm talking about her and i'm also the double meaning I'm, I'm also kind of praying it to god like i'm a believer in god jesus christ and uh it sort of goes both ways this whole survive i can't survive without you god and i can't survive without you liz which is my wife so the whole the whole song kind of takes you through um from the beginning of our relationship, I was kind of a little bit of a mess, I guess you could say. <laughs> she kind of came in, took me just the way I was and loved me no matter what. And I realized I was kind of hard to get. Um, she <laughs> was running after me for a while. I've known her since I was six, actually. Jeez. Yeah, and um, I just wouldn't commit. We had a very special relationship for a very long time, and I wasn't committing. And um, so the song kind of takes you from the very start. And I just opened up my heart and realized I can't survive without her. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. well, I I'm excited to hear. And like I said, by the time this comes out, it will be out. So I'm yeah. sure I'll be one of the first people to listen. Um, so didn't, I mean, it kind of works because you're sitting beside a piano, but growing up musically now mm -hmm. this has always seemed like a an interesting thing to me because like i can't play an instrument i can't sing i can't do anything musically so and of course you have a brother obviously steve who's music um musically inclined as well mm -hmm. growing up was there like always music around the house where, where your parents or like other relatives musician like how and like how do you guys figure out we're musicians we're going to become musicians yeah well around the house it was definitely a household filled with music. Um, first off, my dad is a musician. He's a guitarist and he's first and foremost also a drummer. He drummed for a, um, a progressive rock band in the 70s called Christmas. And he gained like some pretty good status around Durham region and into Toronto and stuff. Like he played sold out Massey Hall shows and wow. 
Um, I'm pretty sure um, like Rush before Rush made it big. I think they opened up for my dad's band. Wow. Um, so yeah, so my dad was a musician and um, there's six kids in my family. We all took lessons in something like my sister and I started piano lessons. I was six years old in classical piano lessons. I took that throughout my life. I actually went to the University of Toronto, got a degree in music um, for piano. And so my sister played piano and then my three brother, three of my brothers played violin from a very young age. And my eldest brother, Jesse, he, he played piano too, but he was a lot older than us. <laughs> so I don't really remember him playing. I remember him playing like a couple songs when I was really young, but then he kind of, um, quit he didn't really take it as far as all the rest of us did Mm -hmm. yeah so yes we grew up in a music very very musically inclined family everybody took classical lessons in in some instrument so and then there was always going to church too like oh and then and of course yeah yeah so definitely music music filled home yeah and then how like um your your type or not sorry your the your kind of music that you like liked in when you were a kid what was that like what was it just classical because that's what you guys were playing and listening to a lot or like were you on the other side because like, your dad was into rock and stuff well i mean it's a, it's a funny question and it's like very i was so i i'd like i'm gonna admit like i feel like i was very ignorant growing up to music to 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 artists and stuff i just found myself either studying my piano and you know singing at church other than that i wasn't really like listening to a lot of other stuff like it was yeah. kind of i don't know i was a little bit of a hermit oh yeah I guess you could say yeah musically like i don't know why <laughs> i mean hey everybody's different so what were like your other hobbies besides music or was it literally just like to you that was it it was music or nothing honestly to me it was just music i never yeah. did sports or anything like that I was into like a little bit of kind of drama, like acting and stuff, but okay. I never really took that far either. Like I would be, I would just do like musicals and stuff in, in uh, like grade school and church and stuff, but I never, I never took that um, seriously, just music. Yeah. So um, before 11 past one, uh, did you and your siblings or anybody, I'm sure you guys had a band maybe together or you other had other bands with other friends? Um, I, I was never really in another band. I know I, I wrote music with other people, but I never actually really was in a band with, with other people. Hmm. So yeah, 11 past one was my first band. Wow. Um, and you have a good record so far, then you're one to know in uh, having bands that are successful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we were a band for probably at least seven or eight years before we got any major note, like anybody really noticed us. That's crazy. So, and now I feel like I've been, well, no, I've been a solo artist now since 2019. Just kind of getting some radio recognition, but it's really, it's a, it's a long road. Man. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if I, if I'm not successful for like, it takes another seven years, who knows? Hey, yeah. Like, I mean, tough. yeah, no, absolutely. And and you know that being persistent and working hard works, yeah. you're, yeah. you're living proof of it. So, I mean, 
um yeah you just have to keep doing what you're doing and it should work right yeah um so i i spoke to steve recently uh and he told me the story about you guys uh forming as a band how it started so i know you weren't i don't think you were there with the fire thing correct no you weren't correct. okay so yeah there was a there was a fire obviously you know this story but for the listeners there was yeah. a fire someone set a locker on fire at uh Bonneville high school and everyone had to leave the school and they're all hanging outside and they're gonna go home and it was steve that you guys lived a little farther in the country so he had to wait for your mom to come get him so he went over to steve's house and they hung out and obviously uh they figured out oh you play drums oh i play guitar and then they figured out hey we should like do something together my my brother sings so getting that like hearing that perspective from steve versus how it worked for you i mean i don't know if you remember the exact conversation but like did steve come home and say hey do you want to start a band with my other with my friend steve Basically, from what I remember, I think that's what happened. Yeah, I think we just yeah. got together and we started jamming and stuff. I'm pretty sure I had my own music going at that point. So, like, I can remember. Yeah, I did. I had, I, I did have some music. What was that song? This is, oh yeah, there's a song I wrote, one of my first ever songs. Uh, it's, it was called This Is Where I Want to Be. So we were jamming that out. And a few other songs and then i think it started there i think it started with a couple of my songs and then um we started writing together and yeah things just took off that's yeah. crazy um songwriting i like that you brought that up um do you have like a process for your songwriting like do you have to be in a room with all with uh the uh what's called the curtains closed and the tv off and silent like how do you get into songwriting does it like something that just comes to you like what's your process like yeah well a lot of the time it's gonna be coming into a room with maybe one other person and doing like a session where we sit down and we start um it's just usually a piano and or a guitar and we'll get a chord progression and then we will start we'll either bring ideas to the table or if we're starting completely from scratch together, we'll, we'll come up with a core progression and we'll just start singing out, humming out uh, melodies and stuff, anything that comes to our head. Um, whether it's like, like for lyrics, usually it's just scatting, like rhyming words that don't even make sense together. Just kind of trying to get one word out there that actually has some meaning. And maybe if you, if you blurt something out, that is cool then we're like oh yeah let's work off of that let's work off of that line right so usually it's kind of like that um there are times where i'll sit down alone and i'll just write a song completely on my own like survive that's coming out um september 15 or once this it'll already be out once mm -hmm. this is released so survive which is out now that song specifically um I got together with a producer and he gave me an instrumental. So he kind of gave me the bare bones of an instrumental and which is just like the beat for people that don't know, like kind of like a beat core progression is already there. And I just kept listening over and over and I would, you know, just create a melody line and lyrics. So I did the melody line and all the lyrics to this song survive. So that was oh, okay. Um, I didn't co-write like lyrics and melody with him, but I did get the instrumental that was 
written for me, so to speak, right? Got you. Okay. Um, songwriting coaches, now. Man. It's not it's not the same all the time. No, no. That that's cool though. I I like that. I like that. Like it's it, it sounds like it would like, keep it more interesting, I guess. Yeah. For lack of a better word, just like that it's it's always different. It's it's new yes. and fresh. Um, songwriting now versus songwriting when you were a kid or songwriting for eleven past one. How different is that? Well, when I was a kid, I would songwrite completely on my own. Like I never mm -hmm. even, I never even thought of writing with other people when I first started writing. But you know, once um, once you start really running after this as a career, you 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 are brought into a whole bunch of different scenarios, right? Like if people didn't know that are listening, like most songs, most big songs are are written by at least two people, like a lot of them are like some, some have like 10 or 15 writers on these songs. So insane. from when I first started writing going into 11 past one. So when I moved into 11 past one writing, we did plan these writing trips with certain writers that maybe had already some bona fide hits under their belt and stuff. So we would get in a room with one or two other people. Yeah. So it changed yeah. that and changed in that respect. Yeah. How? Yeah having we'll get into it like obviously like the success 11 past one but um having those people that like had the notoriety that then you would write with were there uh conflicts ever of like what you guys wanted or even like what you wanted versus what steve wanted or or you wanted what they the label wanted like did was that did that happen a lot um the only conflicts that i can remember were weren't in the writing sessions themselves i think it was maybe just songs that we wanted maybe to be on the album the, um, the record label wouldn't agree with mm -hmm. right so there are you get into kind of that like there's yeah. a little bit of conflict there but other than that i think usually as we're writing no we were all pretty much on the same page because if somebody doesn't like something then they say it out loud, right? And, and if everybody doesn't agree with it, it's not going to stick, right? Like yeah, everybody's yeah. got to agree, whoever's in there on that session. So mm -hmm. yeah. um, I was jumping ahead there. But so performing as 11 past one in the early days in a small town like Bowmanville. Um, I don't know, were you, were you in high school still at the time? I just finished high school. You just finished. Okay. So um, the other guys were still in high school. So um performing like i said in a small town like bowmanville like what kind of venues were you guys doing how are you promoting it mm -hmm. well we actually never really played in durham region we, we would always go to toronto to play and we would rent these big party buses and i know steve and steve would get all their friends from high school and they would rent these party buses and they'd get 20 25 people to ship themselves out to Toronto wow. and um, we would we would you know get the room full that way um, but other than that like I feel like we did play the atria you know that that like hole in the wall grungy bar in Oshawa it's still there mm -hmm. yep we would play that um, never really in Bowmanville though no, there, there wasn't venues in Bowmanville. That's true. Yeah, I guess where where would you perform? Really venues in Bowmanville. That and there's there's still really not not no. Many, there's like any. there's like some you know bars and restaurants where people like will bring in their guitar and an amp and sing, but yeah. there's not really like proper venues. So yeah, no, we would always we always get our friends to come out to Toronto. That's that's such a smart marketing scheme. 
That is so <laughs> what, smart. Party bus thing. Yes, and just bring in all your friends, and then you like you you have your own crowd there. Like you brought the crowd with you. Yeah, that yeah. So, so you you would have people cheering for you no matter what, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I guess there wasn't much promoting then either. If you weren't, if you guys weren't doing too many uh, like performances. Because where would you promote social media? Really wasn't a thing. Where would you maybe on your MSN status or on MySpace? Yeah, right. Like, well, there, there was Facebook, so we would. I guess, yeah, Facebook. it wasn't. It wasn't like it is now, but that's true. There no. was Facebook. Yeah, no, there was. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was. It was a lot of word of mouth, though. Yeah. It was. Yeah, or posting, okay. like we would post posters, even like on telephone poles. I know. I remember, like when we lived down in the states, we would do that for sure. We would hand out like posters. Yeah. And stuff to try and get um, people to our show. One, uh, one part of uh, Love Pass One's history I, I really wanted to get into was taking the trip to the US. And I think it was 2009. Um, you guys just decided we're going to get a trailer and we're going to hit the road. So, where did the idea of that come from? And I know you were a little bit older. And like, I think the guys, the other guys just finished high school. So, yeah. Yeah. they just finished high school. I just finished university. Oh, okay. So yes, yeah. it, it couldn't worked it any better. So yeah. where did the idea of that come from? And like, what was the, the, the main reason of doing it? I think we knew that we wanted to, we wanted to be somebody, you know, like we didn't want to just stay in our hometown and play. We wanted to be successful and we wanted to try and do it as a career. So let's go to LA, baby. Let's go to who, who knows? Like, America, you know, everybody knows that like the biggest music industry in the world is America, right? Like it's in America. So yeah, we just decided that that's the place to go. And um, we, we originally went down there with our manager at that point, we got him to be our manager, his name was Sean Hayden. And I met him um, in the club scene in LA when I, I went on a trip with my, with my close buddies. And I met Sean and I told him I was in a band and a musician and he's like, Oh, I would love to manage you. You know, I'm, I'm a free spirit. Like he, so he moved out from, he moved out of LA and he took out, took us on and we started in, in Missouri. We, you know, I'm sure Steve mentioned, we, we, um, got a, a 1970s house trailer, a fifth wheel, so to speak. And we just took off. We started in Missouri. We met up with Sean there. He was American. And he took us, we drove from Missouri, playing shows from Missouri all the way down to Florida. We ended up in Daytona for bike week. And we stayed there in trailer parks there, played shows there. And then we moved to, oh gosh, through Kissimmee, Florida, Orlando. We ended up in Cocoa Beach and we lived there for a while. That was, that was our scene. We were playing beaches there. What was the, what was the entire time frame of this trip? Um, well, it would, you'd have to go down in six month increments, right? So true. you can't stay there for six, over six months. So I think initially we went for six and we came home quick. And then I went back to, we went back and forth to finish up our album because by then we were actually living in LA. Um, after Florida, we decided to go to LA and, um, <clears throat> we met an investor. He, he was our friend and investor and yeah, he hooked us up with, uh, with a con with um, a studio condo down there and pay paid our way to uh, make an album we met producers out there like you know one thing leads to another it snowballed and 
so yeah, we were in and out of the States for a while and I went back and I actually finished that first 11 past one album called The Ultimate Catch. I finished it up in New York, New York. Oh, wow. And that was fun. I did all the vocals there because the producer who we were working with in LA for a few months, he also had a, a studio in New York and he's like, you know what, why don't, why don't you come to New York and it'll be a different atmosphere. We've been working on this album in LA this whole time, but come and do your vocals in New York. I think it'll be really cool for you, you know? And uh, it was like, it that's was all, sweet. That's it's a different vibe, you know, a hundred. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't doubt it. The, the trailer park thing. So I read about <laughs> that. There's no electricity and no water. Now, how much truth to that is there? A hundred percent. That is a hundred percent. And there was this, at every, like you just, cause it was in your trailer. You didn't have it. So like you guys just had to get it from each park you go to. Yeah. So for months we lived without, running water and electricity and i remember you know you'd go to the you, there was a 7-eleven um just down the way like i don't know probably three or four hundred feet and we would go there to the washroom or there was also um so we found this um trailer that it was kind of like you know how there's trailers where it's kind of like enclosed and like it doesn't look so much like a trailer it's like a small little house but yep Anyways, we found one of those that was vacant and we just went in there and we used the shower. <laughs> like No way. Yeah. And then we, we would meet friends. We met some really good friends down there who I still go and visit to this day. And so they actually ended up taking us in for a few weeks as well into their apartment. So then we could really have some running water and showers. But for like two or three months, we had no running water, no electricity. And it was fun. It was Honestly, some of the, it was some of the best times of my life. That's insane. It truly I mean, was. That, that, that's music right there, right? Yeah, it was so it was so much fun. You know, you just find your way. Yeah. You what know? like um what kind of performances were you guys doing and like where? Just like at like random bars or like random just places in general? Like how how did that all like uh, work out? Yeah, random bars. We would go throughout the towns and ask. We would walk into the bars and ask if we could play. And don't don't forget, like they were all underage. I was the only one who wasn't in the right. US. So I mean, back then, I guess people let people let them in. But so we would play in bars. Yeah, we'd walk in or we'd go on the beaches. We would play to people all day long on the beaches. We'd play a couple tunes live on the beach, and then we'd say, "Hey, come out to our show." It's here tonight or Friday night or whatever we would play we would set up we had our own like amps and stuff so and sound system it was just we brought it with us in the trailer so you know I can remember playing especially Daytona bike week we would just set up like right we'd get extension cords and they had these like picnic uh areas yeah. so that was our electricity <laughs> to plug oh, all of our God. stuff in we would just use the the plugs that were there and we would set up our amps and stuff right in front of our trailer we had videos we have tons of videos and uh pictures of us uh playing in front of our trailer yeah we'd play wherever we could really i mean hey yeah I, why not right that's what the whole trip was about yeah we just, just wanted to get anywhere there, there you know yeah exactly and and it worked yeah um it worked so well that you guys released a song called the world is ours mm -hmm. which blew up um take me through that the writing process of the world is ours the recording of it and then it being released and taking a life of its own okay so 
<laughs> you know, that was a lot. That was a lot. Be prepared to for me to talk your ear off a bit then. That's exactly what this podcast so, is for. That's exactly why I have you on. Yeah. So then um okay, so from the from the start. Um so when we were in LA actually, um the producer that we were working with on our first album introduced us to his manager, which became our manager. His name was Eric Klinger. And Eric knew Brian House. So Brian House is this iconic, he's, he's born in Canada, but he lived most, most of his life in America. Anyways, he's an iconic Juno award winning. He like wrote for everybody from, you know, Daughtry, Simple Plan, Hinder, Nickelback. Like he was a real big rock producer. Anyways, he did a lot of pop as well. So Eric Klinger, introduced us to Brian Howes. Um, so on our next trip out, we did go meet him and we actually wrote Tonight's the Night first, which was another single um, off of the 11 Past One record. It was, did a lot of time on the Family Channel. A little bit of time on, on Top 40 Radio, but not as much as The World Is Ours. So we wrote Tonight's the Night. This show is brought to you by Bing Pot Trivia. How many times have you been to a trivia night where it just feels like somebody's reading the questions? Well, Bingpot Trivia prides themselves on bringing high-energy, dynamic hosts to every event. The show leans heavily on visual elements. Their questions are designed to make you laugh or roll your eyes, while also challenging your knowledge of pop culture, high school science, culinary arts, and everything in between. Their typical show runs five rounds, including a photo round, general knowledge on pop culture, riffs on different game shows, absurd 50-50 questions, and a super sweet music round. You can check out bingpottrivia.com to book your trivia night today. Again, that is bingpottrivia.com. Tell my boy Danny that your friend Quinn sent you. First with him, then we went back on another trip. We did The World Is Ours. We just got together. We came into this writing session open minds, fresh, just nothing, nothing on the table. Brian just started playing a chord progression, I remember, and he just kind of started humming a, humming some tunes and we're just saying, oh yeah, I love that. And like, then we'd finish off the, the, uh, the tune with him, like, and it was just, it was just magic. Like, we really, we really, had magic that day i remember referencing we there were two songs that we referenced though because like when you go into these writing sessions people reference songs that are already big hits like a lot of the time like you know oh i'd like it to sound a little bit like this or you know put this bass line in that like make it sound like this song or like you know what i mean like you're not copying but you're referencing right so we referenced two songs for the world is ours um, number one was um, Payphone by Maroon 5, and another one was um, Glad You Came by The Wanted. It was They were a British. I, I was going to say um, <laughs> that, 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 that song and you guys in general gave me the, the Wanted vibe. So, okay, well, that makes sense then. So that makes a little bit more sense to you then. So, yeah, so then there was that, you know, that was part of the process. And um, so, yeah, so we knew right from the get-go, like, we were like, oh, this is going to be a hit. Like, we really could feel it. And uh, when it was done, um, we took it to, you know, Virgin Radio in Toronto. And uh, they loved it. And within, I don't even know how long it was. I think even on the on the way home, 
they might have emailed us like, oh, we love it. Like, and in a few days or however long it was, it seems like a few days they were they were spinning it. And it was amazing. I can't I, we couldn't believe it. Like it was that easy. <laughs> and were you guys listening to the radio when it first came on or did, had you heard like someone told I, you? I think. Yeah, I think we went back to um, just maybe do some radio like voiceovers and stuff um, for when it did start playing. I think they called us back after the initial meeting and on the way. And I think on the way home, driving back from Toronto, I think we heard it then like right after. So it was really cool. And, um, yeah, so it just took on a life of its own. Like, yeah. you know, if Virgin Toronto is playing it, then, you know, a lot of other big stations are going to follow suit. Right. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of spread like wildfire across the country. And we ended up hiring a radio tracker and, for people who don't know what that is, it's just people that have a really good relationship, really good rapport with music directors from radio stations. So their job is to just take your song, you pay them, and they take your song and they introduce it to more radio stations and they try and you know uh, give you a shot to get your to get your music played on each station. So we took it to a guy named Oscar Furtado, and which is Nelly Furtado's brother. Oh uh, no way! Yeah. So he worked a couple, I think one or two tracks for us. I don't know, but definitely the world is ours. And so he kind of took it to another level. Like it already had a really big life of its own before anybody kind of helped us professionally, which was just like a miracle in itself. Like it just doesn't happen like that anymore unless, you know, it, I guess, you know what, if you want to parallel it, it was kind of like blowing up on TikTok, right? True. Like there's only like... It's like once in a lifetime type of thing. Yeah, do, you, do you find now it is easier to become a big artist versus then? Because there's so many no. avenues you can go. You think you think it, it would have been easier then? I think it – I don't want to say the word easier because sure, I think – Okay, it may, easier might not be the right word. I know. it's. I don't know what the word would be, but I want to say that to, in today's day and age, I think it's a little harder because I think there's more people that – are out there now because of social media like like we knew that there like we always thought there was all these incredible singers in the world but you never knew because you never heard and saw because there was no social media right so right? now you can be on tiktok and, and you, now flip you do hear about all these singers and you do hear about all these artists because they're all in your face on social media so now there's so much more competition if you want to put it that way true but imagine you guys like I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, it's impossible to have to figure it out, but like, imagine you guys, you guys put the world desires out on TikTok, and like it blew up that way. You know what I mean? Like you guys did it um, with a little less like help. Like I, I, not, not that you guys didn't do it yourselves, but like just like being able to like have more of the, um, I don't know, more, it, more so yours. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I also feel like if TikTok was out then, so, like, imagine our story and then TikTok too, like, could have been, like, once people heard on the radio, obviously, they would be doing TikToks to it. Right. right? So, that would have, like, coincided with the radio, and I think it would have blew up even, like, bigger, probably. Your right? music video uh, might have been people, you know how people do that sometimes with uh, music videos? They'll have uh, people performing them on TikToks. Mm -hmm. Like, they'll have that in music videos and stuff. So, like, yeah. could have been like that. Yeah, but, been like that. speaking of that, I do want to get into the music video. It was really cool. You guys shot it in Cuba. So, what's the story yeah. on that? Yeah. So, 
I mean, so Kyle Bykiv, he was um, Eleven Plus One guitarist, and he had a friend named Ben Nectel who we grew up with. They had cottages kind of down the lane from each other. And so Ben is a really big music director, music video director now. Um, he actually really broke out with Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe music video. He directed that. So yeah, Kyle, I mean, what a coincidence. Kyle knew this guy. So he's like, guys, I, I, got, I got this guy. He's, he's amazing. So he called him up and Ben did a, an amazing deal with us, obviously, like next to nothing because they grew up together. We decided let's. The concept was just having fun down in the sun. Let's go somewhere. So we picked Cuba, Havana, and on the outskirts of Havana, and we all just bought our plane tickets. Took took us our our all we took was our bodies, mm -hmm. and the and the video camera. I think there's two video cameras. Um, there was um, Ben, obviously, the the director, and then another. Um, videographer just to help them and stuff mm -hmm. and uh, yeah we just went down there and we had no plan the only plan we had was to have fun and shoot every single day like shoot as in camera <laughs> um, <laughs> just keep shooting all day long like just us doing things right and as you can see in the video that's really all it is it's us having a ride doing a whole bunch of things so all, the only thing we had planned was really um, hiring some Cuban models. And those were the five girls. I think there were five girls in that video. Yeah, there would have been, yeah, five girls, five guys, five girls. Right. So, yeah, that, and we just, yeah, we sh like I said, we shot every day. We did different things and, yeah. What was the um, gap between the song releasing versus the music video being released? Mm. That's a good question. I feel like we shot it in, uh, when did we shoot that? Honestly, I can't remember the month, but I do know that we released it in, no, I want to say November. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. And, and obviously the song, the song would have came out May, June. I think, yeah, I think, well, I think it came out, oh, man, I can't remember. I can't remember exactly, oh, but it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of time in between. Like as soon as we got that music video done, um, we, we released, or, or did it happen the other way? <laughs> God, I can't remember. Oh, it's all good. It's okay. Hey, it was a while ago and you've done a lot of stuff since. So I don't think yeah, you remember yeah. <laughs> every little minute detail. Yeah. Um, one thing that, um, like how I found you guys, um, when I was a kid, cause I would have been like grade nine, grade 10, I think, yeah. uh, was family channel. So, yeah. uh, you guys would be on, uh, between shows. They'd have those music videos of bands and artists and yeah. So um, you guys eventually did the Family Channel Big Ticket Summer uh, Concert. Mm -hmm. I think R5 was there and Zendaya before she was this Zendaya that we had. Yeah, yeah. She, she was the singer from Family Channel. So now she's an adult Zendaya and she's, it, yeah, huge. She was dating Spider-Man. Yeah. It's insane. So uh, the, the Big Ticket Summer Concert, um, how did you guys get to that? And like, what was that like? Because... The, back then those things were huge especially i mean obviously yeah. for canadians because family channel is canadian so yeah. yeah yeah so i mean warner music canada really got us hooked up with the family channel right so that was all that kind of they're doing um so we got really involved and then they invited us to be a part of this this concert 
So one was at, well, it's now called the Budweiser stage, but it was called Molson Amp, Molson Amphitheater back then. So we played that huge show. I mean, sold out 16, 16 and a half thousand people fit in there. Amazing. Like just, oh, <laughs> it's like such a bucket list thing, right? Mm -hmm. I still can't believe that I did that because you go see artists there now. It's like, I played that. I played that stage. Yeah, I'm going to do it yeah. again. I'm going to do it again. There we go. So, hey, manifest it. You, you've done it once. You can do it again. Yeah, it's not the end for me. But no uh, way. there was also one in Calgary, actually, a big uh, family, big ticket summer concert. Oh, was so, there? Yeah, was, that the, was that the one you guys did with uh, where Cody Simpson was there? Cody Simpson? No. So that show. Oh, Wonderland. It was Wonderland Amphitheater, yeah, for the finale of The Next Star on YTV. Yeah. yeah, so that was a YTV thing, yeah. That was that was actually another one, like, right up there with me, because for one of my favorite, ever, like, all-time favorite shows to play, um, I just felt, it just felt so good. That amphitheater was really cool, because, like, yeah. you're outside, once again, you're outside, and, like, the stage is just, that was the first time I ever played a stage where the, where the, um, floor is a screen so i thought that was real cool oh whoa that's cool. yeah like it's just like that was so cool to me and of and course the vibes were immaculate because who's grumpy at candace wonderland yeah right vibe. so there was just good vibes all around yeah i mean it and it was for a tv show too right like so and that was that was live television as well whoa um, what was that like going into that that must have been a little nerve-wracking no nerve-wracking actually you yeah. want to hear i don't know if steve told, did you guys talk about this with pat Ode? no so that show no one will ever know this and i don't know if we ever even actually said it in any interview or anything but you we so it was live television and there was a big screw up i came in i started singing before i was supposed to so the beginning of the world is ours the track started and i think i came in four beats too early so whole measure oh and that that could totally mess it up too maybe even two measures maybe it might have been eight beats i can't exactly remember but it the way that the the backing track and the production are it's literally just kind of like that beat going and a couple stuff in the background but patnode steve patnode our drummer was able to get me back with this fill. He double filled on the oh. drum. Cause I knew as soon as I started, man, I knew that my heart just went, I like, it felt like I was puking up my heart. I was so scared. I knew I was in trouble and I was singing and I'm like, how am I gonna get out of this right now? This is live television. I'm in front of all these people. Anyways, Steve really, he saved the day because I remember he did he did like a double fill to make me come back into the beat. And I guarantee you, nobody right even that. noticed that that happened. No one noticed, dude. Not even oh, the record gosh. label. Not even like really? no one noticed. You know they would have mentioned it, obviously. Oh yeah, I mean it could have been a big screw up, but luckily the, the, everything went together and it was a flawless changeover. I can't. Now, I wonder if I could find <laughs> that performance anywhere on YouTube because it's I, all, I, yeah, I, it is on YouTube. Oh, it is it? Okay. After yeah. this, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to see, I'm going to listen for when Steve does that. That's, that's yeah. sweet. Wow. Yeah. That must've been the best feeling ever. Once you realize that like Steve, like kind of fixed it for you. You must've like, just, like fixed. I was, Oh, I was the most happiest man alive. Yeah. I just got right back into my groove. Cause I, I was, I was almost freezing up. I was just like,
how am I going to, I kept on singing. I felt and like that would, yeah, and like that, it obviously happened so fast too, but like oh, yeah. all, all of that stuff happened like boom, 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 like that. That's crazy. Yeah. Cause he got me back on track really quick. He got me back on track right before, uh, right when we come into, Oh, I know you came for the weekend. So it was halfway through, right? It was just right going into the pre-chorus halfway through the verse, the first now, verse. Do you think, um, someone that has no music talent whatsoever like me would notice this like like if i went to watch it now knowing that like you told me about it what would what i notice mm. you 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 might have to pot like you might have to watch it a couple times a couple like, times yeah it, See, that's really, crazy. It, was, I mean, it was covered up real well damn that's cool yeah. no he didn't he didn't tell me that that's really cool yeah um, oh, speaking of the song itself, um, I know I want you to tell the California swag story. Oh, yeah. The World Is Ours was originally written California swag. So and it, it would have sang uh, California swag instead of the world is ours. So swag was a huge word. OK, at this time. And, um, you know, we were living the California life and we just felt like California swag was really cool. Like it, 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 it makes sense because like your backstory and like what you guys were doing, but like it exactly, just doesn't yeah. hit the same. It just doesn't work. Yeah. So luckily we were writing with a well-seasoned, successful, Juno award-winning writer because yeah. he loved it too at first. Like he was all for it. But then after we actually wrote the song and actually went home like this, we didn't change it for a while. Like we have demos with singing California. Oh, wow. oh yeah. I didn't so know you guys got that far into it. Oh yeah, we got we got far, yeah. And luckily, you know, with his um, uh, well seasoned, uh, <laughs> what do I want to say? Um, anyways, he's well seasoned in the music industry and, and in writing, obviously. So he he came back to us and he was just like, you know what, guys, this word's not gonna stick. Like it's just a phase. It's just a fad, so to speak, right? So, he was right, one hundred percent. Yeah, he was right. So luckily, we had his advice. Yeah. Now, I'm, I mean, you can't answer this because who knows, but maybe the song wouldn't have done what it did if yeah, it was called that. No, you're right? totally right. Could, that, yeah, I, I love that. When uh, when I heard about that story, I, I knew how to bring it up to you. Um, so a few more things before I let you go. It's okay. been a few years since we have heard from 11 Past One. <laughs> um, now, I know the word is you guys have not um, broke up, correct? No, we, we never actually disbanded. Okay. So like, it's not like we're, we we had this big fight or like we don't want like we're not a band. We're still a band. We're we're a brotherhood. Like, you know, it just turned it just worked out that, you know, everybody just kind of wasn't on the same page. We all wanted to do some other stuff, too. And you know how life is like 100%. life gets in the way and everybody had their own thing that they wanted to do. And I really wanted to keep going with with uh, well, music full force. That's what right? I was going to bring up. So um, like you said, there wasn't really a fight or anything, but like maybe leading up to you guys, like figuring out like you all wanted different things. Were you already in the mindset? Hey, maybe eventually at one point I want to be a solo artist. Or did that only come up once the other guys decided they wanted to do other things yeah that basically it just came up after that because like i i did like before the band i wanted i always kind of saw myself as like a justin timberlake but not dancing but just like the same style of music like i really looked up to him and 
I, I did think that I might have been a solo artist, but then when the band came along, I really loved it. Like, I really loved the camaraderie and the brotherhood, and so it worked out really well. But then at the end, actually, Warner um, did offer me a solo deal, and at the time, I, I turned it down. I did a lot of a lot of thinking, a lot of praying about it, and I turned it down. I just felt like I... I was too loyal to the band at that time. and um, Oh, so this would have been like you like completely leaving saying, see you guys, I'm alone now. It couldn't have been like a, a both? No, it would have been, oh, yeah. No way. They were kind of bringing me into more like a singer. They wanted like to see the singer-songwriter vibe from me, like piano, vocal type of material. So anyways, I turned it down. <laughs> now that would have caused a lot of uh, uh, troubles, no? Yeah, I mean, it would have. They, I mean, they, they would have been. I, I would have hurt them. You know, yeah. I, I, I felt too loyal. So that was in 2016, wow. and then we put out, um, we put out a few singles without Warner as a band, um, Closer, Wrong Way Home, and Fly. I think that was it. Anyways, nothing was like. Yeah, we had some songs play on Stingray Music and stuff. Some, some channels but um nothing was really hitting hitting home like home run anyways i guess yeah they just got maybe a little tired i don't know people yeah because <laughs> they, like, I, I i'm pretty sure if my research is correct basically all of them are like living more so normal lives right yeah are you the yeah. you're the only one that's like an artist that's out there doing like performing that's for like that's that's so weird yeah. it's odd, like odd that it wasn't even just like a couple of them but it's like literally all of them and then there's you yeah well huh. i mean steve steve oak steve Padno, he um he still has his in-home studio and he likes to i know he's produced a couple of different artists and um, oh. he has his own production thing going on Interesting. but um i don't think he's really pursuing it like the way in the way same way that i'm pursuing right um, my career yeah but mm. Interesting. So, um, starting as a solo artist, once um, Eleven Past One just kind of like went on pause, uh, was that scary? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, it was. Yeah. I was yeah. Really yeah. That was in so twenty. How did you? Sorry. Go ahead. That was in twenty nineteen, and then, you know, I just felt like I was just, you know, finding my groove, and then COVID hit, and it was like, oh man. Oh yeah. True. So I, I didn't like, put my. I had to put kind of everything on hiatus and like, I am not a lover of social media and obviously we all know social media was everything for an artist over COVID and I just don't like it. <laughs> so that was kind of hard for me trying to, trying to be on there and create content all the time. Like, uh, what is it about you don't like? I just, I don't know. I, I don't feel, I just don't feel like it's, I feel like I have to put on a show, like not be myself, you know, like when the camera's going. Right. Like, I, I like things to be candid. Like, okay, take take video of me while I'm doing my thing. But like right. for me to press, okay, press record. Okay, now yeah. I gotta do this. They're like trying to figure out how to be re keep relevant and keep up with these trends and like stupid stuff that's going on. I just think it's so stupid. Yeah. Hey, man, it's not your thing. It's not it's your thing, right? It's my opinion, not... everyone. Like, don't <laughs> at me. Like, yeah, like, everyone's entitled to one. 
It's like um, so the eleven past one uh, that that vlogging you guys did that would have been like perfect for you, right? Because like it was literally just what you guys were doing all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you know what's so funny? Because like yeah, we would create these little eleven past one TV episodes and we would post them on YouTube. It was called EPO TV, and they're still all up there. You guys I I, I, I just watched them. All. I think there's like seven or eight episodes. Yeah, so we would just hire a guy to come and video us, you know, on the road driving to shows or driving to meetings, and like that would have been cool. That's I guess essentially that was kind of like TikTok, just longer. Yeah. Would <laughs> you ever think about doing longer. something like that now? Pardon. Would you ever uh, think about doing something like that now, like how you had eleven past one TV, but like just you? I mean, yeah, but it wouldn't. I don't think it would be as entertaining. <laughs> sure, because they, well, I mean, I guess because you there's five personalities, right? Yeah. Versus I, I don't one. know. I don't think I'm a very, I don't know, entertaining personality. <laughs> I think you are. That's why I got you on here. Well, I'm, I, sure, I'm sure a lot of people do. Thank you. I just don't feel that way in my head. Other people <laughs> might think that of, towards me, but I don't know. I, yeah. Okay. So yeah. So during COVID is basically maybe uh, off a few months is basically when you decided to become a soul or when you became a soul artist. So um, how did you navigate that during the pandemic? Like you obviously you couldn't go do shows and stuff. So like, what was your like your day to day? Like, yeah, I know. And it was also really hard for me too, because like at that time I was still going to LA to write with Brian. House. Oh, like, I did a lot of, I did some solo music with him too. I did. I learned with him. I did toxic. I did. I was born to, and so that all stopped my trap, my traveling. Right. Mm. You know, I did a couple down there with a guy named Damon Sharp. I did Comfortable and um, three years with him. Mm. So basically, my whole first EP was all written and recorded in LA. So I was upset not being able to travel for like what was it, like two years? Well, unless you got the the vax and all that stuff, but. Yeah, no, it was it, it, it was it was like two years though. Still, I feel. Yeah. But anyways, what was your question again? <laughs> uh, just like the day to day of like trying to be an artist during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I just spend time with my family. Obviously, just like I have, I I have a three year old uh, girl, so she was uh, definitely just learning navigating fatherhood and and marriage and. Just spending a lot of time with the family, you know, being being a family guy. It's really honestly what anyone could do. You know, also writing music, just not being able to really record it because I don't have my own studio and I'm really not, I don't know nothing about like technology and what it takes to record yourself and stuff. I always had other people doing that for me. So yeah, in that respect, it sucked because I couldn't really, I, I could sing into my iPhone, but that's about it. Yeah, what else could you? That's crazy. Damn. What a time what a time to become a solo artist. Yeah, right? Wow. So, I mean, now, you know, it's I have a my last single Forget You is well last time I checked it was number 58 on the media base radio charts. So, nice. we kind of just um we did a little bit of a radio tracking campaign for Forget You in Quebec in the French speaking radio. Yeah. Just because it's a smaller market and it's just like an, it's it's nice to test to do like a test market yeah. and stuff. So yeah, we did that and it's it's turned out to be really good with not a lot of work. So I'm really thankful for that. And so maybe this one, hopefully, it does better. 
survive survives out now <laughs> Kill this no, it, it must be weird saying that because it because in our world it's not yeah i know it, <laughs> us sitting here now no it's not out you don't know yeah. what it sounds like but i do <laughs> exactly i but what yeah that's great that is weird um so like what's next for you as a solo artist as well as 11 past one is there a I don't want to say reunion because the guys didn't break up, but is there new 11 past one music on the horizon? Well, I mean, for me, you know, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. I'm going to, I have, I have definitely music lined up down, down the tunnel here for at least the next year. I have stuff that I know that I can put out. So I'm going to keep releasing and just see where it goes right like that's all you can do i just want to share my music to the world and as for 11 past one we're not close-minded um i don't want to say anything that you know i don't want to make any promises or say anything to, so that people will get too excited but like there's no closed doors i'll just say that like if the guys came to you if the guys came to you tomorrow and said let's record new music is that a yes to you? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no to that. Yeah, no. Okay. Hey, I'll, I'll I'll take that answer. Um, oh, before <laughs> I let you go, I mentioned it in the intro. Can you talk about the Gene Simmons story at his yeah. house? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So Gene, that's yeah, that was pretty cool. So when we lived in LA, um, we we found out. So there's these star maps, okay, in LA that you get off of Hollywood Boulevard everybody's selling them and uh because you can go on these like celebrity bus rides where they take you and show you cool things about la and celebrities houses anyways we found out where gene simmons lived <laughs> and shannon tweed that was his longtime girlfriend um and we found out where he lives so we drove there and we he obviously has he's got a gate and he's got a an intercom so we we press the button and we really didn't think anybody would answer, but Shannon came on to the intercom. She's like, hello. And we just said, hey, like, we're a band from Canada. We know you guys are Canadian. Um, we would love if Gene could, like, listen to our music. And, uh, you know, we just said stuff like that. And all of a sudden, beep, and this door opens, the gate opens, and she's like, yep, come on up. We're like, what? We were going crazy driving up this <laughs> this hill. We were in Beverly Hills and oh man, and I can never forget just <laughs> driving up to his house. Because you know, I saw it on the TV show too, because I used to watch his show. He had a show yes. Family Jewels. Family Jewels, Gene Simmons Family Jewels. So I'm like, whoa, I can't believe I'm like seeing this house in real life. And anyways, Gene walks out. We're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> And he brought us in and he listens to our music. He gave us advice. Um, he let us go into his, you know, his shrine that he would see on that show. He's got a shrine. I call it a shrine of himself because he's got all of his paraphernalia, not paraphernalia. What do you call it? Memorabilia. Um, yeah, all of that. All, every single thing that he's ever sold, right? Like from Gene... From, from Kiss toothbrushes to Kiss underwear to Kiss condoms, whatever the case is. Yeah, yeah. Kiss, Kiss had their name on everything. Uh -huh. Anyways, he had one of everything at least in this um, office, his office. Anyways, 
it was just amazing. It was so surreal walking around there. And, and then, so after we left, he, um, oh yeah, oh yeah. He had, he was opening up a, a record label off of Universal at that time called Simmons Records, okay? So that was also part of our spiel to Shannon on the intercom. We we're like, oh yeah, we, you know, we're Canadian band and we heard that you opened up the record label um, in Canada. So that was part of it. And um, he was interested enough to actually fly out to Toronto and we played a showcase for him. So, and he was very, very interested. And then all of a sudden, next thing we heard was Simmons Records was no more. I guess it oh. didn't, didn't really work out off of Universal here in Canada. Oh. So. But yeah, he actually flew out here to see us play live too. So he was really serious about us. That's insane. Yeah, so that was, yeah, and that was before Warner. That was yeah, before, that's crazy. That was before wow. the world was ours. That was before, like, we only had, we were, we must have been recording our very first album at that point. So, like, I don't even know what we showed him. We must have showed him, like, heart songs like Heart Screams and stuff that we had just kind of recorded. I don't know. Actually, no, I don't. I don't know what we showed him, but we had some some music recorded. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so cool. Yeah, I don't know if it was our actual first album, like professional album. It might have just been demos, but yeah, that's amazing though. Did you? I mean, I'm sure you guys did, but take advice that he gave you and like used it. Um. Yeah, you know, the only piece of advice that I actually remember him saying to me that I actually took in and digested was when he was listening to the music he was like you gotta write about yourself he's like use the word i like okay gene like yeah we know it's all yeah. about you like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what he had he had he had the right idea like a lot of songs are like i am doing this and i love or i do this i do that right it's it's always written from your own personal perspective like mm. that's the best songs yeah and i remember him saying like yeah like think of this i want to rock and roll all night you know that's so, so true so he that's that's what i took from him um, that's awesome amazing well daniel i i really appreciate you coming on here um i've known yeah. about you 11 past one uh since i was like 13 14 so it's really cool that as a 27 year old me to have you on to chat so i really do appreciate it um survive is out now so listen to it and um I'm, I'm excited to see what what you have uh going on next so again thank you very much thank you so much take care and that was the clay bar show